Good morning, church. Good morning to those of you who are joining us live stream, those who may be watching or listening to the sermon podcast later in the week. To all of you, I say, welcome home. I am so glad to be able to have spent these last couple of weeks with you guys going through the art of neighboring. We finish it up today, and uh, to, all of, to that, all of God's people said, amen, right? So... I have been so blessed by stories that, uh, that so many of you have shared with me about things that you're doing to get to know your neighbors or things you've been doing to know your neighbors for so long. And I'm going to share several of those stories a little bit later on in the message. But first, I have another story that I want to share with you. My brother, Will, and many of you would know him as Ed. He decided he wanted to go by his first name instead of his middle name. That's a whole other story not relevant to this story. But if I say Ed, I mean Will, it's, it's all the same, okay? He has an unnatural fear of heights. I mean, he is absolutely paralyzed with fear when it comes to heights because that's what fear does, right? It paralyzes us. Well, we have a cousin in Alabama who used to live on beautiful Smith Lake. It's a TVA man-made lake. And actually, this picture is a picture of, of their property while I was in the water looking up at their property. And as you can see, there's about a 25-foot cliff that goes from the edge of their property into the lake. Now, the lake, like I said, it's a man-made lake, so it's about 50 feet deep right there at the cliff. So you know what we crazies are going to do? We're going cliff jumping. Right? I've been cliff jumping for decades. I love the thrill of stepping off that cliff and just whoa and into the water. I just love it. And my cousins love it too. Some of them are crazy enough that they didn't jump. They literally dove and went in head first. I'm, I'm not that crazy, okay? But some of my cousins were. Now, my brother Will, he's petrified. He's petrified. But he has decided on this trip that he's going to overcome his fear of heights, and he's going to jump into the lake. So we get up there, uh, and he lived in South Florida at the time, so he came to our house, and then our family, and we all went up, drove up together, and he's trying to psych himself up the whole trip, man. I'm, I'm going to do I am going to do this. All right, so the day arrives, man. We're there, and my cousins and I, we are jumping off of that cliff, and we are whooping and hollering and splashing in the water. Some of us make bigger splashes than others, but we're just having a blast. Now, the only bummer about this, as you can see from this picture, that's a long way to have to go back up. And when we would jump in, we had to swim over to a neighbor's dock and then get up on their dock and then go up the steps so you're climbing about two and a half stories worth of steps to get back up. So you'd be out of breath by the time you got back up there and ready, you know, to be able to jump again. So we'd have to sit down and catch your breath to do it. Well, my brother Will, meanwhile, he's sitting down trying to catch his breath because he's hyperventilating over the thought of taking this step off the cliff. And a couple of different times, he went right up to the edge he looked down, nope, 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 come back and sit down. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Meanwhile, we're jumping and splashing and whooping and hollering, having a great time. 
Now, I know I'm brother, and we had cousins, and, you know, typically family can kind of get a little, you know, trying to encourage someone. We did not, okay? We lovingly encouraged him because we knew he seriously wanted to overcome this fear. And so we were trying to help him and, and encourage him in love, all right? And so at one point we said, okay, listen, here's what you do. Don't walk all the way to the edge because you look down and that's when you freak out. So start back three or four steps so you can't see over the edge. And then just go. And don't stop. But he did. And he's like, nope, 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 can't do it, can't do it. So back he is, he's sitting down. I mean, this went on for a couple of hours while the rest of us are jumping and swimming, and just, man, we're having a blast. Finally, finally, he said, okay, I'm going to do it. And he started several steps back, and off he went. And he took that step off of the ledge and plunged into the lake. Well, in fact, I have a video clip. Now, you've got to watch fast. Don't blink. It's six seconds long, all right? But here is my brother Will Jumping in the lake in Smith Lake. Here we go. There he is. Boom. The terror on his face as he stepped off the cliff was quickly replaced by the joy as he came up out of the water to the raucous cheers of his family. Because you see, fear paralyzes. <laughs> Fear paralyzes. <laughs> yeah, 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 trust me, he did come up. Uh, <laughs> fear paralyzes, but love propels. So what are people afraid of? I mean, some people are, are afraid of failure. I'm not going to try that because it just isn't going to work, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not going to try that. It's just too hard. Some people are afraid of commitment. I mean, if I get to know my neighbor's might actually have to spend time with them. And some are afraid of rejection. That's one of my core fears, I will confess to you. That's one of my core fears, rejection. Some of us are like, well, what if my neighbors don't want to get to know me? See, fear paralyzes. And fear puts up artificial barriers. And we've got to figure it out how to get over those barriers. What keeps, us, what keeps us from doing these things? What did fear keep my brother Will from doing? It kept him from the joy of the jump. But because loving people were surrounding him, he was able to experience that. Have you ever noticed that the most meaningful times in our lives are with people? The most meaningful times in our lives are with people. Some of us have been praying, asking God to send that best friend into our lives. We, we just really need a good friend to come into our lives. Did you ever stop and think, maybe, maybe the person God has in mind lives next door, you just don't know him yet? I don't know, maybe. It could be. But we allow fear to keep us from getting to know them. We, we'd rather be hermits. That's safe. And we want to be safe. 
But we also need to remember that God has said that man is not meant to be alone. Man is not meant to be alone. The most meaningful times in our lives are with people. And I know it's risky to get out there and get to know somebody. The risk is real, but the reward is worth it. The reward is worth it. We all face the paralyzing pressure of fear. How we handle that, that's going to be up to us. But we need to remember, brothers and sisters, when we go into our neighborhoods following God, we have nothing to fear. As we just sang a few minutes ago, let praise be a weapon that conquers anxiety. Fear cannot survive when we praise God. So how about we step out into our neighborhoods praising God and overcome that fear? We also need to understand this. Our neighbors also need to be rescued from fear. Keep in mind that most of us have been conditioned to be afraid of our neighbors. Remember we said a couple of weeks ago we replaced the front porch with the back porch or the pool deck or whatever. We got privacy fences. We got the garage door opener so we just can slip right on in not even have to get to know anybody. Well, our neighbors have been conditioned to be afraid of us too. Did you ever think about that? I mean, some of us must look pretty scary to our neighbors because they're afraid of us. There's a cycle of fear out there that's got to be broken. But how? I want to share with you a story from Scripture about somebody who had to break a cycle of fear. There's a woman who had everything to fear and nothing to lose. But she didn't allow fear to paralyze. Instead, she had love propel her into what has to be one of the more awkward scenes depicted in the New Testament. We're going to take a look in Luke Chapter 7, starting at verse 37. The words will be up here on the screen, so follow along with me. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. She kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him in saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. All right, time out. You see what's happening here? Jesus has been invited to a party of a very important person. And as the guests are all assembled, a certain immoral woman read prostitute, bursts into the room. <laughs> the men are shocked. But she comes in and she's crying. And she kneels down at Jesus' feet. And with her tears, his feet are wet. And with her hair, she wipes his feet, cleaning them. Now the fact that she's using her hair to wipe his feet means that she has let her hair down. And in first century Judea, nice girls don't do that. And the men are just like, what is happening here? And she also has with her this alabaster jar of rare perfume. It's a tool of her trade. 
because you can catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar, if you catch my meaning. She kneels, she's knelt down there, crying and wiping his feet, and then she pours this perfume on his feet. And the stench of walking barefoot through the countryside is quickly replaced by the sweet aroma of this rare perfume. But the host and the other dinner guests, they're aghast. They're stunned. They're breathless. Let's pick up the story right there. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Selfless love is always costly. Fear can't afford it. Pride doesn't understand it. But friends, never forget it. The story of this immoral woman lives on today as a prime example for us all so that we can remember fear paralyzes, but love propels. This woman did not allow fear to paralyze her. Instead, she was propelled into action by love, and the result was eternal. God rewards faith propelled by love. This immoral woman is rewarded by Jesus himself when he declares, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This woman is cited by gospel writers as an example of love propelling someone into action. This woman entered the dinner party filled with shame and fear and guilt and remorse, and she left that party that evening filled with saving faith and the peace of Christ. The risk was real, but the reward was worth it. So, do you want to experience that kind of peace? Stop being paralyzed by fear. Allow love to propel you in faith. Not only for your sake, but for your neighbors' sakes as well. Neighbors who don't know the love of Christ and the peace of Christ, they are in mortal danger. 
Now, we said two weeks ago that the art of neighboring is not an evangelism strategy, and it's not. It's a love-your-neighbor strategy. But seriously, if you get to know your neighbors and love your neighbors, do you think they're going to be able to not figure out that you and Jesus got this thing going on? And they may respond to that, and they may not. Love them anyway. Love them anyway. Don't allow fear to paralyze you from getting to know and love your neighbors. How are they ever going to get to know the love of Jesus residing in you if you don't get to know them? How will they ever see faith and peace in action? I mean, if you don't take the risk, there's absolutely no chance for that reward. If following Jesus is your desire, then remember this. It was love that propelled Jesus into this world. We love because he loved first. We read that in 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21. I referenced that a couple of weeks ago. Love and fear don't exist in the same space because perfect love drives out. It expels fear. Throughout Scripture, God's people are told to fear two things. All right, we're God's people, so here we go. We're told to fear two things, God and nothing. God and nothing. That's, that's all we can fear as God's people. So let's just jump right on out. Let's let our love for Christ dispel fear and propel us into the world to love our neighbors because there is a cycle of fear out there and we have to break the cycle of fear. After all, Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given you a spirit of fear but one of power and love and self-discipline. So if we are filled with fear, please know this, that didn't come from God comes from Satan. We are called to be mighty warriors in the kingdom of Christ. So let us praise God and overcome fear as we go out into the world, starting in our neighborhood. So what would happen if we broke that cycle of fear? Well, we would break out of our comfort zone. We'd get out in the front yard, walk across the street or next door, and engage our neighbors We'd stop making excuses and start following the clear command of Christ. It might get messy. We might get hurt. Our neighbors might come to know the love and peace of Jesus in the process. You see, the cycle of fear can be broken. Not from our own power but from the power of the Holy Spirit residing in us. We must step out of our comfort zone, knowing full well that God's got this. God's got it. I know we don't like to leave our comfort zones. Many of us need a little push to get us out there. It's tough to get to know our neighbors, not just know about them, but to really get to know them and love them. They get messy when their lives are a mess. 
Following Jesus is not necessarily designed to be safe. Safety is a natural desire that all of us have, but it also can keep us from being like Jesus in the midst of an unsafe world. Yes, we need to use the common sense that God has given us, all right? I'm not saying put yourself in an extremely dangerous situation here. I'm just saying don't let fear keep you from getting to know your neighbors. Fear paralyzes, but love propels. You control your time, or time will control you. And when Jesus commands us to love our neighbor, he also means our actual neighbors. A couple of weeks ago, we provided a tool to help us take that first step in getting to know our neighbors, the block map fridge magnet. Many of us have, have been working on filling those things in. Some of us probably still hanging out just a little bit, trying to figure out how we're going to do this. Let me share a couple of stories with you that folks have shared with me over the last three weeks about things that they are doing to get to know their neighbors. This morning, I heard from, from somebody uh, in one of the earlier services who said, you know, my next-door neighbor and I, we, we don't get along very well. We have some, some differences on several issues. But I sent them a private message and said, listen, I know we disagree on a lot of things that neither one of us can really do anything about, but you're my neighbor and I love you. Their response was, okay, thanks. All right? Love them anyway. You may not get the response you're hoping for immediately, but love them anyway. Somebody else is the president of their neighborhood homeowners association. There's 52 homes in their HOA. Last year, they had a chili dinner at their house for everyone in the HOA. This year, they're doing a carry-in dinner. I think that's even better because everybody gets to bring their own favorite foods and, and come in and hang out. Well, I shared with you last week about the, uh, the little baggie with the Hershey's Kisses and the uh, chapstick. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Including in this little baggie is a personal note that was written to all of the neighbors. They all got their own personalized note inside. And, and then a card that has the contact information from the person who did that. It's fantastic. In the first service, I ask all of those who live in the Garden Grove uh, community to stand up because three years ago we had about six people in that community who attended our church. Now there's about 25 people. Somebody's loving on some neighbors, aren't they? Okay. Last week I told you that, that we were going to be giving out balloons on Valentine's Day to our neighbors, and here's a picture of the balloons as they were staged and ready to go. Uh, I got up early on Valentine's morning and went around and, and attached them to doorknobs. And, um, and then the balloons also had the little card there on it, that's a, the heart-shaped card, and it says, we love being your neighbors. We put our name and, and address so they'd know which neighbor it was. Partially because we wanted to know which neighbor it was, but partially because the other side, which I'm not going to show you a picture of, has an invitation to a neighborhood cookout. And... You know, we wanted them to, to come to the cookout. And we're going to do burgers and dogs and just kind of hang out. I've heard from two of our neighbors so far. Uh, one of them said, man, this is a great idea. I love this. But we're going to be out of town that day. Can we get together another time? Yes. 
Another neighbor said, hey, can I bring my adult daughter who's my caretaker? Can she come with me? Absolutely. What's her name? I want to be able to greet her by name when they come in. And they said, well, what? and she said, well, what can I bring? I said, man, I, you know, we're going to provide burgers and dogs and chips and water. So you bring, well, how about if we bring brownies? <laughs> now some of you really want to know the date and time of that, don't you? Huh? I got you. I got you. All right. Friday night, I got this uh, picture message sent to my phone from Chris Stevenson, and I got permission from Chris and Katie to be able to use this. This is Friday night in their driveway at their house. They like to turn their driveway into a drive-in every now and then, and they project movies up on the, uh, on the garage door, and they invited their neighbors and their kids to come in. I don't know if you know this or not, parents, but last week, Frozen 2 came out digitally, so... They, they showed Frozen 2 in their drive-in driveway and invited their neighbors. Fantastic, man. These are, these are great things to do to start to get to know more and more of your neighbors. So, how many of those spots have you filled on your magnet? I don't tell you these stories to make you feel bad. I tell you these stories to go, it doesn't take much. You can, you can do the little things. So, if they're not all filled, what's holding you back? Is it fear? Is it time? Is it obstinance? Let's replace those attitudes with peace, purpose, and obedience. Let's remember that fear paralyzes, but love propels. The most meaningful times in our lives are with people, maybe even people like our neighbors. And when Jesus says, love your neighbor, he includes your actual neighbors as well. So be like my brother Will. Get up. Walk purposefully. Take a deep breath. Trust God. And jump right on in. The temporary terror of taking that step is replaced by the joy of obeying the clear command of Jesus. And who knows? It might even look something like this. There he is. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for the neighborhood that you have placed us in. Thank you for opportunities that we have every day to get to know a neighbor. Not just know about them, but to know them. Thank you for the opportunities that we have every day to get to love a neighbor. May we share your love with them. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.